All right, well, the rest of us are going to continue in worship this morning, and we're going to get into uh, the Word. We're going to talk about um, the second week in our series. Uh, we're in the middle of this thing, uh, Contagious Christianity. Uh, becoming a contagious Christian, uh, becoming or be contagious is the simple kind of moniker that we have on this. But the idea is simple, and it's kind of like what we did there a little bit. It's about it's about having a, a joyful heart about what God is doing in our lives. You know, it's about believing that God is doing something uh, so big, so crazy that you are just thrilled to be part of it. And I'm not talking about a family Bible church. Uh, I believe God is doing big and crazy things here in family Bible church. But I'm talking about in your life, wherever you are. Whatever circumstances you're in right now, I mean, whether you're, you know, um, got a great job and life is good, whether you're out of work and life isn't so good, whether you're uh, a student right now and you're just trying to figure out what you're tr- even trying to do with your life, I-, I pray that in the middle of all of that, you know, we sang those songs earlier, I hope you hear the words that, that uh, joy comes in the morning. I-, I hope that you can understand that whatever you're going through, you can celebrate the mighty work of God in your life. It- it's unbelievable, really. When you try to get your head around the truth, when you read the word of God, the scriptures, and you hear um, of his great love for us, and you realize that this God is intimately involved in the details of your life, and you can listen and be responsive, it's an amazing thing. It's an absolutely amazing thing. And uh, this morning, as we, as we continue, I'm going I'm to ask you, you would pray with me, and then we're going to jump into the word and kind of hear what he has for us today. Father God, we thank you again for this time to come in and be overjoyed in our hearts. We pray, Father, that if there's those places of our hearts that are just kind of broken and hurting, that you would mend them up. I pray even more, Father, that we could set aside all the presumptions we have about you, all the presumptions we have about how you love us or care for us or your purposes for our lives, and we could just hear you today and what you would have us to do. May, may we be found to be faithful servants because we're obedient and it's that simple today, Father. So we pray that uh, you would do that revelation in our hearts. We pray you would open your word to us that we could understand it maybe for the first time today, the great truth you have for us. And we praise you and thank you for everything you're doing. In the name of your Son and our Savior and the King of all kings, Jesus Christ. Amen. So, uh, so we're going to continue to talk. And one of the things that I want to pray first, because we're going to just kind of jump right in here this morning. But um, I don't know if you've had the experience in your walk with Jesus Christ. And we say walk with Jesus Christ. I mean, your journey with God, wherever you're at in this continuum of, of, of not believing and believing, right? Of unsanctified and sanctified. But I'm not sure where you are at in this, this process. But I pray that along the way, you are attentive to the things that God is doing to save you. That you're attentive to the work he's doing in your life. And we've been talking uh, for the last, uh, like we talked last week a little bit about this kind of the, the new excitement of being a new believer in Jesus and how overwhelmed you are. You're so overwhelmed with the reality of Christ in your life that you can't help but tell others about it. it it's not like people have to kind of, um, you know, force you to share your faith because you're so excited and you have a real tangible understanding that the truth that you've discovered, you wish you'd have known before and you're willing to tell others about that truth. You're like, this is so cool. You can have peace with God. Let me tell you how. And then you share the good news of Jesus Christ. And, um, and that's, that's an awesome thing. And I, I don't know if you've had an experience of adventure with Jesus. But, you know, one of the things that really bugs me, and I'll tell you, you know, in my own life even, because we've become kind of a passive or, you know, apathetic towards um, the adventure that we have in Jesus Christ. You know what I mean? I mean, we go to most churches and, and uh, you know, you would be... You would be You'd fit right in if you just didn't respond in any way. <laughs> you know what I mean? You would go right under the radar like everybody else. I mean, there's some truth that what God is doing is so profound that we should be responding to him in a tangible way in our lives. And I don't mean just like, you know, doing something during service. I mean doing something with your life. Like Monday through Friday, doing something, taking a risk, listening to God, and then being obedient. If you're in a family group, you know we've been talking, I uh, started talking this week about um, about what it means to be a contagious Christian and how we can share our faith. And we're just getting at the beginnings of it, you know, breaking down some of the myths about it, about who we are in Christ and that he hasn't made a mistake when he called you. My favorite stories about the disciples of Jesus is that they were ordinary men and, and they would just, he would just say, follow me. And they, would like, they were like, us? Are you serious? And he's like, yeah, I mean you. I mean, God doesn't make a mistake whenever he intervenes in your life to save you. He's not like, well, I, I saved this one, but I can't really use them. That's not the way he works. He's like, yeah, you're mine. Enter into the adventure with me. I remember, uh, and it's funny because, you know, now it's, it's harder for me in some ways than it used to be, but the, I loved being in the city. You love going to the city at all? I love being in the city. 
You know why? Because there's a lot of people in the city, you know? And one of the most discouraging places that I can go to are these, like, are like the cul-de-sac, um, um, what do you call it, suburbs? The, you know what I mean? The places without sidewalks, where you have to walk in the street and almost get hit, <laughs> you know? Sure, subdivisions. <laughs> Thank you, Matthew. Yeah, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm just saying that they, they, they feel, you know, I do it myself. I mean, you, you, you roll up to your house and you push the door opener and you open it and you pull your car and you close it. The mailman shoves the mail through a slot in your door, puts it right there. So all you do is open your storm door. You don't have to even be exposed to the world. You know what I mean? We could just live our whole lives like this and you go to the city and people are in your business all the time. I'll tell you what's beautiful. If you're listening to God when you're around others, and I mean today, right now, this is happening. Right now, today, have you been listening to God when you walk by somebody and, and God's like, hey, did you see that? Are we listening? I'll tell you a quick story. One time I was, I was just so overwhelmed by this reality because I knew Jesus is my Savior, but I was going on the subway and I was riding, or not subway, not subways, but you know, the Metrolink, and I was riding over to St. Louis on the Metrolink and, and I walked by this dude and God's like, Bill, talk to that guy. You know what I mean? And if you know me, I'm not like one of those like evangelists. You know what I mean? I'm not like a track guy. I'm not like a, you know, what are you going to do, you know, for eternity? I'm not that guy. But, but God kept saying, talk to this dude. And I'm like, man, God, you know, just, I'm catching the train to work. I got things to do today. And God's like, you know, talk to this guy. And so the, long, the short story is I did. I went up and I said, hey, how are you doing? And he's like, you know, got a dollar <laughs> kind of conversation, you know. What do you need a dollar for? I haven't eaten in three days. You know, this conversation starts, and I'm thinking, oh, he's going to do drugs or alcohol, and I just can't give him money. I'm working out this process with God of how I should really help people without hindering people and what my call is. When Jesus teaches hard things like, if a man asks for your coat, give him your hat. And that what he says, or if he asks for your hat, give him your coat. If he says, walk with me a mile, walk with him two miles. How do I work that out in my life? When a man says, give me a dollar. And I said, you know what? I can't give you a dollar, but I can buy you a meal. And I remember so clearly, I was downtown. It was the, it was the um, 7th and Pine, I think, is the exit on the subway. I wasn't supposed to get off until I got to wash you at the School of Medicine. That's where I worked. But I, I found myself saying, if we get off this train right now together, I'll buy you breakfast. What was my boss going to do? I don't know. What was this guy going to do? I don't know. And I remember so clearly, we got off the train, and I thought, this is crazy. This is crazy. I'm an only child, everybody. My mom was right here going, Billy, what are you doing? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> You're in St. Louis, you know? You don't know this guy. He asked for money. And as we went up the stairs, I'm going to stop the story right here, but as we went up the stairs, I found the guy's name later was James, Brother James. And as we went up the stairs, I'm walking behind him because I'm a little smart still. I don't want to get, you know, stabbed in the back. And I'm trying to think this stuff through, you know. Just, you know, I don't have any mace. What am I going to do? <laughs> I'm not a girl. I'm not going to fight, you know. We're going up the stairs. I'm walking behind this guy. And God in my heart says, are you ready for adventure? I was ready for work. I hope in your life that you're listening to a God who is speaking to you and asking you the question, are you ready to follow me? Are you ready to take some risks for me? Are you ready to, to do some things that you just go, this is crazy? My experience has been that through those doors, we, found, we find new life. We find new life. And so as we're talking about these opportunities, today I want to kind of talk about the whole idea is listening to God or being obedient to God's call in your life, you know. And what's most amazing is when you begin to do these things, and you need to take a little risk first. Don't, don't, don't go, you know, just do something small. Just take a little, say, do you need to talk for a minute? Or just, you know, call somebody when God says, have you heard from someone lately? Just call them up. And when you get that weird part in the conversation, say, I didn't have a reason to call you other than to see how you're doing. That freaks people out. You don't need anything from me? Take some small risks like that. Because when you do that, what you'll find is that God will reward it. And then you'll be like, that was cool, God. That was fun. And then, and then you go back into your prayer life, and it becomes more passionate prayer life. And you study the word, and you start to ask, what does it mean? Don't just love your friends, but love your enemies. How do I do that? And you start to 
start to listen to God. And the truth of it is this, that in these places, in these times, we become utterly and completely dependent on God. I got a prediction for you. I believe when we get to Guatemala, we're going to be out of our element. And there are going to be some times that we're going to want to cry out for anyone to help us. And my prayer is that we first cry to God. God, what are you doing with the situation that we're facing today? That we become totally dependent on him. And so today, we're, we're going to kind of talk about the, the, the model we have for reaching others, for loving others, for caring for others, and where we see this model demonstrated most clearly. And of course, you're not going to be surprised because you're in a church, a, a Christian church, to say that, and uh, is that the place you're going to see it most profoundly is in Jesus and his life. The reason we celebrate Jesus is because he is not only the Son of God, the King of kings, Lord of lords, he's also the perfect model for everything we do. The reason the scriptures are so convicting is when we read them, we go, Jesus, how did you do that? I wouldn't respond that way. And so the question that I want to ask of us today as we continue to journey in the six weeks of um, becoming contagious is what would Jesus do differently than we do? I know we had those little bracelets and stuff for a while that were cute, you know what I mean? But a real question, now Jesus lived in a certain time in a certain space, but a real question is, if, if Jesus walked in my shoes, how would he respond differently than I will? How would he reach out to my neighbors? How would he pass James on the subway? How would he come here this morning and gather in his father's name in the house of prayer? I think that's a pretty profound thing to ask. And this morning, we're going to walk through some ways that, that we've seen Jesus uh, demonstrating differentness, I guess, you know, uh, in the way that, that he sees the world. There's something that's completely, one of my favorite, I, I think it's a proverb, and I hate that I don't have the exact verse here, but you can look it up or ask me, I'll look it up later. But there's this place that says that the, the believers in Christ, that, that those who God is redeeming, have, an, have a scent or an air that's attractive. You know, that there's something that's appealing that folks who don't know God are drawn to. And I was so blown away by that because I, I actually, I think I posted on Facebook at one point and I said, you know, does this mean that God says I stink? You know? But is it true that there's something that's beautiful or right one of the things that I've seen in my life as well is there's been times where uh, it's so funny, but we show up, you know, we're going to do the right thing. We're going we're gonna to go and we're going to minister to somebody who's in need. And I've, I've seen brothers and sisters who are in their hospital bed and they're like, they're the ones you think need mercy. They're the ones you think need comfort. They're the ones you think need salvation. And when you get there, their whole concern is, how are you doing? How's your prayer life? And I get so challenged by that. I'm like, what are you doing? You're in bed. You could be, if anybody could say me, 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 it's a person who's like laid up in bed, maybe on a deathbed, awaiting God's mercy. And I've encountered people in their lives. I think I told you the story one time, but I'll never forget because God used them in such a powerful way. A friend of mine, Wayne, was laying in bed and he was dying of cancer. And there was a brief moment and he pulled off his CPAP, which is that little pressurized mask. And he asked me the question about my following of Jesus. And he said, have you found a church yet? And I'm like, Wayne, who cares? <laughs> you know, but I didn't say that. I go, no, not yet. And he said, keep the faith. Last words he spoke to me. <sighs> what do you do with that kind of stuff? There's a truth about those who see the world differently, that understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is, is more important than anything else we're facing, including maybe being in a hospital bed or facing death or facing anything else. We see this modeled exactly in Jesus Christ. Jesus saw his neighbors differently. And what's really wild about Jesus is that his whole time, this is a profound thought. Jesus saw your separation from God, my separation from God, as more significant than his brutal crucifixion. If you're facing something like this in your life, you're thinking, there's nothing worse than this. But Jesus' testimony to us is this. There's something worse than that. And that's to not know God, to not have peace with God. And that's such a profound truth, 
profound reality that he lived out in his life. He saw our lostness as more significant than his suffering. So we're going to walk through three, three ways that, that Jesus is um, uh, teaching us through his demonstration, through his life, that we can begin to have this heart that Jesus had for others, that we're not consumed, that we're listening to God and obedient to the call and taking risks because there's a bigger story being told than, than what our day nine to five has to say, our normalness has to say. And so we're going to kind of roll through here. And the first thing that, that I want to talk to you about this morning is, is praying first, you know. Jesus had this way um, that he would always talk to God about someone else before he talked to someone else about God. If you look in scriptures, and this is only interesting because, you know, if, especially if you're kind of new to the faith or, or don't yet believe in Jesus Christ, there's something to the fact that you would say, well, why would Jesus pray? If Jesus is the Son of God and God and Jesus are one, that's what the Word says, why would he spend time praying? And yet regularly you see in scriptures, he would go off. He would actually leave everybody behind, even those he loved the most. And he would go off and he'd pray all by himself. He would spend time talking to God about the people around him. I wonder what the prayers sounded like when he had the disciples who were so you know, hard of hearing. When he's trying to teach them about a kingdom of God that is coming that's not like the kingdoms of this world. And, and, and they don't hear him rightly. And they're asking crazy questions like, can I be in charge then? I wonder when he goes to the, the mountains, when he goes to those quiet places, does he get on his knees before God and he say, God, help, help me, help them understand this. I wonder how he, he would uh, pray for those that are, if, if he was in our life, how would he pray for them that are around us? He prayed a lot. As a matter of fact, one of my favorite prayers that he prayed he prayed in front of the disciples, and he said these words. He said, Father, I'm going to pray right now, and not for my sake, but for their sake. You know? So he said, I'm praying so that you all can all hear me pray, because this is what my prayer for you is. And he prayed his prayer of, you know, may you and I be one, and may they be one in me as I am one in you. We'll all be one in your mission and your purpose in this kingdom, Father. And he prayed these prayers over his church, those that he is saving, the people that he's sending into the world to communicate peace with God. So it was his habit to pray all the time. Jesus prayed first. He prayed first. He prayed all the time. And then something else interesting is I, told, I mentioned earlier that these disciples were normal people who followed him. And, and you can imagine, you know, I mean, you just, if you get around people who pray a lot, you know, you get around them and they're, they're just like, they're just attractive to you. They're just like, wow, that's cool. You know, we can all have that if we're in our quiet places with God. You can have that. Let God refill you. We talked about that last week. Let him fill you up. Right? And what's really interesting is at some point Jesus came back from his prayer time and the disciples were so shocked by him and his constant praying, his constant doing this thing without them there, they said, they said, What? Lord, teach us to pray. We want to know how to do this. I think that's a prayer that we can still pray today, you and I. We can still say, Jesus, teach us to pray. We know the prayer of the Our Father, right? And we, we can break it down and talk about what it means, but there's a reality in relationship that's happening that Jesus is always with his Father, always talking to his Father. And you and I, through Jesus Christ, have the same relationship with the Father. We're adopted as sons and daughters into the kingdom of God, and we therefore can communicate directly with the creator of the universe, listen, and we can hear what he has to say to us. So you aren't abandoned there alone. How many of us Make use of that communication. How many of us put time aside in our lives to pray? I hope we pray first. Pray, pray, pray. Talk to God about it. Listen to him for his responses. And then here, here's, here's something. So we had Jesus praying his whole life. By the way, remember, he went to the temple when he was 12, which is amazing. A 12-year-old in the temple debating rabbis on what the theology is, what, what the scriptures say about God, right, at 12. It's so beautiful. And then he, he goes and he prays. It's his habit. It's his practice. He teaches his disciples to pray. And then one of the most profound things that happens, of course, is as he's on the cross, giving everything because he believes lostness is the worst thing. It's, it's not the worst thing in the world. It's the worst thing in eternity. You know, you face trials here, but lostness for eternity is a really bad deal. And he knows that. And so I want to share this scripture from Luke with you. And Jesus is on the cross. 
He's been crucified to it. He's been lifted up. And he says these words. He says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. And, and actually, I've read a lot about what this means, you know, this, this text. I mean, and there's all kinds of, but the truth is this, that Jesus is hanging there on the cross, and his concern is not for himself, but for us. Not for himself, but for the soldiers who drove the spikes in his hands. As a matter of fact, the very next version, what it says, then they cast lots for his clothes. I mean, you talk about someone who's ungrateful for forgiveness. He's on the cross, and he's saying, Father, forgive them. Remember, the Jews were walking by, and the leaders, and they're mocking him, and they're going, if you're God, remove yourself from the cross. I mean, think of the spectacle. And in the middle of all of this shame, in the middle of all of this having been beaten and bloodied and tortured, his prayer for you and I, his prayer for the leaders, his prayer for those who put the nails in his hands is, Father, forgive them, because they don't know what they're doing. Whenever I was uh, new in my faith, someone gave me a book by a guy named John Stott. It was a really big book, and it should have never been given to a guy like me. You know, I remember I hated that book. It took so long to read it. I think it's called The Cross of Christ. And I read this book, and I remember it was, just, it was just so heavy. But one of the things that John Stott says about this passage, he reminds us that in the Greek, the Greek is imperfect. When Jesus said, Father, forgive them, when he's saying forgive them, it's imperfect. And what does it mean to be imperfect? It doesn't mean that he said it imperfectly. It means that he kept repeating it. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. For how long did he say those words? As he paid the price for our sin. It's a profound reality that in this place he has this this. this relationship with God that he's praying first he's praying always he's praying last and so with Jesus' model of praying first I want to encourage you that if you are a prayer warrior if you're one of those people that God lays one in your heart you go I'm just going to pray for them then pray for them pray fervently for them don't doubt what God can do through your faithful prayers I know sometimes we kind of make light of prayer and we go, I can pray, but what else can I do? Listen, you're, you're, in, you're inviting God into the situation and people, people's lives who maybe don't even know him. You're saying, God, intervene. I had a friend one time, I was telling him, I said, I'm, I'm praying for you, man. And he says, don't pray for me, right? He says, don't pray for me because when you, you know, what are you praying? You're praying that, you know, what do you, I don't even believe what you believe. Why are you praying? I said, all I'm praying is that God would bless you. He reveal himself to you. It can't be stopped. You can't stop me from praying for you. That's a beautiful thing. And so I, I encourage you to pray and to pray and to pray. I'll remind you that God's timeline isn't our timeline. And so when we're praying to God and we're going, this isn't working. You know what? We said one prayer today. Father, fix it. Not fixed. You know what I mean? What is our expectation as relationship with Jesus Christ? What is our expectation with God, the sovereign creator of the universe? Can we wait? Can we abide in him? And can we pray for years that someone might come to know Christ? I hope we can. I hope we can. And I, and I, I think we talked about it in the family group this week. I think when we stand on this side of the equation with our fellow brothers and sisters, human beings who are lost, who are broken, who are flawed, and who can't find peace with God, I pray that we pray from this side toward God. Because what happens is when we say, God, save them. God, save them. God, save them. Whenever the resurrection happened, it's glorious. Whenever God's salvation is delivered, it's glorious. And then you and I can't say, look what we did. <laughs> We just go, God, look what you did. Talk about having hearts that are out of control for God. My favorite uh, scriptures in the Old Testament is King David, right? Running through the streets naked because God's coming. It's in the Bible. Look it up. You think you have crazy worship here? David walked in his place and go, what's wrong with you people? You know, this is the sovereign king of the universe. He's come to, to save us, dance, celebrate, rejoice. It's a beautiful thing. And when God brings us redeeming, we can celebrate, we can praise him, we can glorify his name. And then we can say to others when they come back and they say, thanks for sharing Jesus with us. We can say, man, praise God that he did this work in you. What's he going to do next? 
I can't wait to see who you become in Jesus because he doesn't leave people where they are. The book of James, written by the half-brother of Jesus, says this, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. I don't know if we believe that's true. We just feel like it's bouncing off the ceiling sometimes. We read this verse, believers, and we say, it's a righteous person, I'm not qualified. Listen, in Jesus Christ, you are righteous before God. And Jesus Christ, you can pray a prayer that God hears as if his son was on the cross praying it. And God honors prayer. He celebrates prayer. So my question for you today is, who have you stopped praying for? Who in your life have you been praying for for so long and you go, I just, they're never going to get it. They're never going to believe. They're never going to find peace. I want to take just a minute. I want us to bring them to mind. Join me if you would. Just bring them to mind. And and just bring them, and I'm going to invite you, just not just now, but in the coming week, the coming months, the coming years, to not give up praying, to not give up testifying to the truth that the God who is saving the world can save that person. God can do it. One of my favorite things to tell people when they say, oh, this person's far from God, I always say to them, and you've probably heard me say it if you ask me this question, he saved us. Do you know what I mean? Do you remember who you were? He saved us. I guarantee there are people who are saying, Billy is never going to get saved. No way. Praise God. They were wrong. The second thing that Jesus does so well, and this is something we don't think about a lot, but Jesus asks great questions. I mean, I'm sorry, he listens to, he hears all questions. He's always open. He asks great questions too, by the way, if you didn't know that. But a way to get a contagious heart um, for others is to let them ask you anything. And, uh, you know, this is, a, this is a hard thing for me because I don't get people, a lot of times, they don't want to ask me anything anymore. It's terrible. I, I feel so bad about that because, you know, that's not totally true, but there are a lot of people who do that. But ask someone else. But if you're a follower of Jesus, don't be afraid of someone that has to ask you a question that's a hard question. You know? Sometimes we put that all on ourselves, like, man, if, we, you know, if they're going to ask us a question, um, how are we going to respond? Or what if we give the wrong answer? What if we, what if we don't know how to respond properly? And... Uh, I'll remind you of a couple things the scripture says. The first is that the Holy Spirit is with you, living in you. Jesus' prayer to the Father on your behalf, Father, may they be in me and I in you, so we are one, is a prayer answered. And so if you know Jesus is your Savior, the Holy Spirit's going to guide you in responding properly. But the, 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 the thing that Jesus did so well is he never rebuked questions. Do you notice that? If you look at scripture, there was not a person that came up to him and said, I have a question for you, Jesus. And he said, that's a dumb question. I would even venture to say this. There was never a person that came and asked Jesus a question that Jesus was more interested in winning or being right than he was in saving or winning them over to himself. That's why he answered a lot of questions with questions. He would dig deeper. I heard someone say recently, if you want to be more effective in communicating to other people, don't be more interesting, be more interested. It's a pretty profound thought, isn't it? Don't try to make yourself more, you know, whatever. Just go and go, really? How does that work in your life? Tell me about yourself. Tell me about where you come from. Tell me about who you are. Those questions are great questions. Be more interested in others. Jesus was one like that. As a matter of fact, um, he would he would walk he would uh, walk the talk all the time. And one of my favorite passages is in, in the John's Gospel, and uh, I call it Nick at Night. And I hope for you, it's become like me. Nick at Night means something besides you know cute shows on Nickelodeon, because Nick at Night is what happens in John three, when Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night under the cover of darkness, and he says, "I hear you've been teaching something about being born again." And Jesus is like, that's right. He's like, how can I be born again? And Jesus gives him the answer. You must be born from above. And and this is so profound because the simple question Nicodemus asks gives us, as inheritors of the word of God, as those who have been handed down this truth of the gospel of Jesus, one of the most profound passages found in all scripture, which is this. Jesus says to him, because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would have eternal life. 
That question came from, or the answer came from Nick's question. Thank God that Jesus heard the question. You and I, I'm not sure we, we, we're that comfortable hearing questions that we, we don't, we feel, you know, compelled. We feel, I don't know, we feel awkward about it. We, don't ask us hard questions. Don't, don't come with your really big struggles. Um, there's a story in scripture as well. John the Baptist, it's an interesting story actually, these, the parallel lives of John the Baptist and Jesus, but the, John the Baptist is, you know, he's out in, in the wilderness and he's eating locusts and drinking honey and proclaiming that the kingdom of heaven is coming, right? Make, make straight the paths, he's saying, because the king is about to redeem all of us. You know, he's proclaiming this truth. And whenever he's out in the wilderness and he's baptizing believers, um, that God's going to provide a solution for them. He turns and looks at Jesus and he says, Behold, it's the Lamb of God who will take away the sins of the world. And he, he's saying it about Jesus, this rabbi. And, and then later on, Jesus comes to John and he says, Baptize me. And, and he baptizes him. And when he comes up out of the water, listen, the heavens open and God speaks and he says, This is my son with whom I am well pleased. So John the Baptist is there for that. And then later on, John the Baptist even says, I testify myself that this one Jesus is the very Son of God. That's my testimony to you. He boldly proclaims it. You'll remember that John wasn't afraid to call sin, sin. And it ended him in jail. He ended up with his head on a platter over the whole deal. But you know what's crazy is while he's in prison, having seen the Lamb of God, having baptized Jesus and heard the voice of God, Having proclaimed himself that this is the Son of God, John the Baptist says to the disciples, Psst, come here. Can you go ask Jesus a question? And they're like, yeah, what's that? Ask him if he's really the one. Now see, yeah, I don't know how you would feel. Because I, I hope, you know, you hope John would be in the prison like, I know he's going to save me still. But he's in prison. He's about to die. He's like, just go ask him, is he the one or am I expecting someone else? Did I get all this wrong? And what's so wild is the disciples of John come to, the, to Jesus himself and they say, John has sent us to ask you this question. Are you the one or should we expect someone else? And Jesus does not rebuke the question. He does not chastise John for his faithlessness. He does not even make fun of him because he has little faith. You know, when some of you hear that, oh, you have little faith. What he does is he answers the question, assuring John that I am indeed the one who will make all this right. The disciples of John leave, and Jesus turns those around, and he says, there is none greater than John the Baptist. I love that. I, hope, I don't know how, where you are. I, I love that God is okay with our questions, with our not knowing, with our seeking his answers, with our asking and entertaining and wondering out loud. It's part of that spirit of adventure. How does this work, Father? Show me. Teach me. Shape my heart so I can understand how this works. One of the coolest things, we, and we talked about it um, a few weeks ago, in, uh, in for just a few weeks ago, like maybe like three weeks ago, but in, in First Peter, the, I'll just remind you real quick what it says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for your hope, right? So, I mean, you've got to be ready to field some questions, you know? Scripture says it right there. Be ready to have some answers when people ask you questions. Don't be afraid of that. In our family group this week, and I hope, by the way, if you're not in a family group, you can still get in one. But, but we were talking about this, and we go, you know, can you really, can you dare to stand at a door and, and answer questions that people have about your faith? Like, you know, can you dare to stand and be challenged? Are there people that you're more afraid of because they might, you know, I don't know what, talk you out of God's grace and salvation? Paul says, were it even possible that we could be snatched from the hand of God? Nothing can separate us. I always pray for a boldness to have full assurance in Jesus Christ and never be afraid of truth. Let it come. Let's talk about it. We're going to talk a minute, in a minute about why some of that, I think, is, is we're afraid of questions. We're afraid of having to deal with people's real issues because it reveals some things in us. 
But no matter who comes, I pray that you would have a boldness and the power of God to give you wisdom and answers. By the way, one of the cool things we happened, we talked about was we talked about people who kind of come to your door and they want to share what they understand to be the truth with you through the scriptures. And they jump around a lot in scriptures. And one of the things our group said, which I was so excited to hear, is they said, we, we, t- we tell folks to slow down a minute. Let's read around that. Slow down a minute. You know, and we can do this as Christians too. You know what, you know, uh, Romans Road, Romans 3.23, Romans 6.26, and you know, you go through the plan of salvation people so fast that they go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What does this really mean for me? Pray that we understand that truth is on our side and we have all the time we need to have a conversation about the salvation of Jesus Christ. The last thing I'll say about ask, asking, uh, being open to questions is this. Um, the word says something about wasting your time on trivial debates. And this can be a real point of contention. You know, we're trying to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so debates are very ineffective. As a matter of fact, the truth is this. If you enter into a debate with someone who doesn't believe like you do, and you win, they lose. I don't mean they lose a debate. And I don't mean that you win the debate. I mean they lose. Do you understand that when they're, when they're challenging, when they're wanting to go to battle over my opinion, your opinion, it's all a way to, they can stay where they are. Listen, you can't let them. You have to love them. None of us were debated into the kingdom of God. We were loved into the kingdom of God. I hope we can do that in our lives. I hope that we enter into discussions and not debates. I hope we can see past the first question to the real questions. And lean on God for the answers. The, the last thing I'm going to talk about here, and this is very meaningful for us here at Family Bible Church, but uh, in developing a heart uh, of compassion or contagious heart towards others is this. You've got to get real. You know? This church started with a slogan, real people, real worship, real. Do you remember anymore? I don't remember. Real, real passion. Thank you, Rick. We're four. There was four. What's one of them? All right, we'll look it up later. The point isn't the slogan. The point is, let's not lose authenticity. Let's be willing to be real. And, um, and this isn't just a slogan that we like to think up, but the truth is that um, people would come. You remember that the, the people that Jesus, you might say, would dress down or would, he would really kind of cut to their heart. He'd do it to everybody, actually. But he would cut to their heart was the people who came and they wanted to debate with him. They wanted to argue with him about his theology. See, they wanted to take him to task for his thoughts and his words, but what they could not come against was his deeds. That was the big problem that they had. You understand that, don't you? If Jesus was saying the things he said, but not doing the things he did, they could have in a minute, they could have just said, Psh, hypocrite, he can't, no power, no reality to the relationship with God. How can he claim to be the son of God? He can't do these things. But Jesus' walk matched his talk, and he communicated the gospel in every way. And that's the challenge for you and I as well, to be real and not just share our faith, but show our faith. As a matter of fact, one of the things that, that came toward the end of Jesus' life, they said they were so terrified what to do with him because p- people knew he was real. And so they couldn't just kill him. And so they had to try to figure out some way to manipulate the systems that he could die. We're called, in the book of James, we won't, I won't... Uh, pull it up, but in the book of James, you know, it says that. It says, faith without works is dead, but we're not saved by works, but it's who we are in Christ. We've got to be, be willing to be real. There's a lot unpacking on this whole deal right here. There's a whole lot to unpack on it. But this, this is what I want to share with you from the Gospel of Matthew. Um, Jesus is teaching, and he says, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And if you just look at that verse... And what Jesus says is, there's so many things he's saying. He's saying, as a follower of mine, you have a light in you. And your whole job is to let that light shine. And one of the coolest things I love about this idea of light and darkness is it doesn't take much light to drive darkness away. And you don't have to pretend to have this inferno if you've got a little matchstick in there. You know what I mean? You can just be like, look at what God did. (laughs) That happens. And sometimes it's just like that. But that's enough. We don't have to pretend or bolster or try to pour fuel on it. We can just go, look at what God did and let people see what's happening in our lives. What does it say? That they can see your good works or good deeds and they can give glory not to you but your Father. They can say, wow, you've done something in that person that's profound. This is 
what Jesus teaches when he says, get real, be real with people. One of the things that we will see and we hear a lot is um, people won't come to church because we're full of hypocrites. I hope, hope we're not hypocritical here. You know what I mean? How many times do we have to say we're a mess before y'all believe us? We're a mess, you know? How many times do we have to say to y'all that we're just listening to God before you believe us? We're just listening to God. We get it wrong a lot. We get it wrong a lot, you know? Our call is to be where we are, who we are. Honesty, I, I share with some of you before that um, it's only when we're actually honest, not just before each other, before God, and we go, God, this is, this is me. This is all I am. This is all I can be. And God goes, I knew you all along. And then he uses you like he made you. That's a really profound reality. Nothing drives people away from the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ than people who are faking it, right? You're going to try to, you're going to, try to do something to, you know, show them, prove it. I don't know what. Spectacular. What we can do, you know? Someone said recently to me, I was really struck by this, they said, uh, Satan loves to stand on top of temples and show people what's possible. It's kind of convicting. The truth is that we can just let what God's doing be enough. And we can just be real. And you know what? When questions come, we know the answers for, we can say, I don't know. I'll, I'll look it up or I'll, I'll pray about it. You might, you're, you're right. You're right. When I was working as an uh, IT technician, I would go and I would service people's computers and always I would talk about life. You know, and I wouldn't go and throw my Bible on their desk. I mean, I, would, you know, I didn't carry my Bible around with me. I, but I would go and I would just sit and talk to people. And one of the things I was so struck by it repeatedly, not just once, but over and over again, if you're in a profession where you listen to people's hearts, it's amazing. And if you just have a conversation with them about what's going on in their lives, it's amazing what you hear. And the most profound thing I heard repeatedly was this, and I was just devastated by it, just absolutely devastated by it, um, because I would say to people like, you know, uh, they would finally get around, you know, are you a Christian or do you go to church or whatever the question would be. And I would, you know, I'd say, yeah, because you tell the truth. Well, yeah, once I, you know, yeah, absolutely. And, um, they would start talking about something in their life. They'd been hurt. They were shunned. They were loved for a while, as long as they wore the mask. Their parents went every Sunday, but then got home, and it was like God wasn't in our house. If this is God's house, I don't want to be in God's house, because God isn't here. And uh, the most amazing thing about, about that is as you talk and you hear people's hearts and you start to share and you're like, and you, and you have to say things like this. That's why I said earlier, sometimes you only hear questions because we have to admit that we've sinned. And so you go, oh, that's, that's terrible. I totally understand why you're so hurt. I totally get it. Jesus would be offended that we behave that way. And one of the coolest things was we'd talk, and, and if you keep that conversation going, but sometimes, not all the time, by the end of the conversation, someone would say this to me. I kid you not, these words come out of their mouth. They would say, well, my goodness, it sounds like even I could go to your church. Huh? Yeah. You know, do you know me? <laughs> Absolutely even you. Our testimony is, is uh, pretty, pretty clear. We're sinners saved by grace, and we didn't deserve it. We don't deserve it now. We don't deserve for God to answer our prayers or listen to us, and yet he does, and we're in this adventure with him, and so we can just celebrate with him. And I hope that you can communicate that and just say, just, you know, you're welcome. You're welcome to be here. You're welcome with hard questions. You're welcome to look at my life. I mean, this is something, right? And say, you know, that's pretty inconsistent of you to preach this and do that. Oh, you're right. That we have to be real and authentic with one another. One of, the, one of the things early on is that people never, we should never give people a reason not to come back and listen about Jesus. Like, there's no excuse. There's no reason that we should ever have people to come and go, well, I'm never going there again because of this, you know? Unless it's the offense of the cross of Christ. So many of our stories are stories of people tolerating us until God revealed himself to us. So, and we're gonna wrap up this last thought here. And uh, it's this, that in this, in this developing our heart, as you pursue Jesus, as you take this adventure with him, as you listen and obey what he's saying to you, and through prayer, that God will use you 
But God will use you. And that's amazing. Because you don't deserve it. You don't have a right to it, but he does it, and it's cool. And so I hope today that if you feel like, man, God hasn't used me, he ain't used me, I hope that this brings you back to him to say, God, what would you have me to do? Where would you have me to go? Who would you have me to respond to? God will use you. I I long to see it. I've seen it, but I long to see it continue for God to give us a heart for others. All right, so here's what's going to happen next. We're going to wrap up service right now today. The band has another song. We're going to worship together, right? Close out our services today. But uh, I'm going to invite you to pray in a few minutes with me that God would do this work in our hearts, that we could understand and be passionate about all those he's put in our path. And um, if, if, uh, if you aren't in a family group right now, you can still get in one. So don't think it's too late. It's not too late. There's four leaders, four groups. Uh, talk to myself. I don't think anyone else is here today that... You know, there's other people who just ask them what group they're in. They'll tell you what group they're in. If you want to go with some friends, that'd be cool too. But get involved in a family group. God's doing great things there. Um, If it's the first or second time you're with us, first of all, we're so thrilled that you came today. Uh, Just because we remember being the first and second time somewhere, and it's kind of weird usually for us. And so we're glad you came. We hope you come back. There's a small black book in the back table. It's, or no, it's not a black book anymore. It's a white book. It's called More Than a Carpenter. And uh, you can grab one of those. Our way of saying thanks for spending time with us this morning. It's our gift to you. Um, there's uh, the green boxes in the back. Some people say, why don't you guys pass a plate around? You know, God loves a joyful giver. And we've got green boxes in the back because we are on mission here for what he's doing. And then Three Family Bible Church whatever that looks like. And so if you're on mission with us, those things go in there. So with all that being said, the last thing I'll say is that uh, on the 27th of March, we're going to have kind of a uh, uh, back to church Sunday. We're just going to invite people to come and hang out with us. Nothing weird. We're just going to share the gospel like we share every Sunday here at Family Bible Church. We pray that you're praying about who you'll bring to that. And just, we're just going to love on some people. It's going to be really cool and uh, see what God does with it. So that's it. I'm going to invite you to pray with me. We're going to have the final song, and then we're just going to be done for the day. So join me in prayer, if you would, right now. Father God, we have been so humbled by your word today. So in this realization that we don't come to you enough in prayer, that we don't long for you to provide a solution, but we look for our own. We pray, Father God, that you would cause us to be real, cause us to put down the masks and quit hiding And just love one another where we are. And Father, in every way, if we don't know you today, I pray we'd be drawn nearer to your heart and nearer to the image of your Son and our Savior, Jesus. If there are people here today that don't know you at all, I pray that your spirit would work in their hearts, that not so that we get any glory because we don't want it, but we want to see you intervene in people's lives. And we know you're doing that, and so we pray a blessing on that work today, Father. And um, we just want to celebrate with you. So whatever you do, wherever we go, give us eyes to see and ears to hear the gospel. Give us a heart to share it with others. You're doing great work, and we want to be part of it. Help us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. This is kind of an impromptu testimony, but um, as Bill started today and continued um, just to kind of challenge us with his message today, um, something just hugely weighed on my heart um, just to kind of share and encourage you with as you go. And um, he kind of started sharing a story at the beginning about James, his um, the man, you know, coming off the train on the way to work and God prompting his heart and he followed it and he was on that adventure. And um, I think we all have been in those places and, and sometimes we fall through and sometimes we don't. And, uh, I have one story just to kind of share with you, not something that I'm proud with, but something even a decade later um, is still on my heart hugely. And I've shared it with some of you, but um, when I was 17, um, on fire for the Lord and doing some great things, I was so, there was a time where, um, it's a certain exact story, um, that my stepdad, um, Michael, um, he was, 
he was an unbeliever and we had um, opportunities throughout the year um, when I moved in there and I was living with them just to share little by little by little um, planting seeds and he had came to a point where he would sit in there and say you know I can't go to church because I can't forgive myself so how can God forgive me and that's where he was and um, he had moved out of the house and he was had you know one of those times cheated my my mom and moved out and um, had came back just for an afternoon and do laundry and um, when he came back that day uh, I was running out to some FCA event that I was in charge of and I was running late running behind and looking at my watch and he pulled up and says hey um, mom said I can do laundry it's okay I'm, I'm here and I said okay well as I get to my car door and the handle I hit that and I hear God um, say hey now's the time to talk to him so I look at my watch and I look down and go oh, I got later I gotta go I gotta go and be late so I get in my car and just you know kind of say bye to him and and hit the ignition hear it again you know, now's the time and I'm just like I gotta do it later I do it later well for him later never came the um I was at my event great thing but a couple days later people start calling us have you seen him do you know where he's at no we haven't didn't show up to work didn't know what happened the next day on Tuesday found out that he committed suicide on Saturday and so for me for um, it was a huge anger issue because I knew that I was disobedient to the Lord could I have changed that I don't know was he ready that day to hear the gospel I don't know was he ready just maybe need somebody to say you're important to me and I love you possibly just like that man maybe just needed a meal but for me it was one of those lessons I walked in and I had to see him. I had to say goodbye to him before because I had to go somewhere. And I came in this room with him just laying on this table and it felt like I was in a spiritual warfare because there's nothing more that Satan wants than your complacency. If you're busy about doing kingdom's work but not paying attention to God's leading of the spirit, you're missing out. So I just pray wholeheartedly this week that as you're going, that you are able to um, put aside your agenda and really daily pray and not give up on people but pray and wait and listen and not miss an opportunity that you have to wonder god I, I pray i was just obedient to you i don't know what it was but i pray as obedient so i encourage you as you go to walk in obedience and really pray for listening ears and open eyes to see who god wants you to to reach and that um, you can hear the spirits leading in your life